Hello, friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our website. We're so glad to be with you once again, and we're glad that you are with us once again. Amen. We have a we have a congregation uh, outside of where we meet on Sunday, and it is right here on our website. So we consider you part of this congregation as I uh, operate in the in the in the power of the Holy Spirit today. Amen. I've asked the Lord to help me to minister His Word today, and that's what He wants so He can speak to me and speak through me and speak to all of us through His Word by His Spirit. Praise God. So I thank the Lord for His holy anointing today, and I know that anointing is going to meet with us as we seek God's heart and will through His Word and by His Spirit today. We have a great subject today, and before we get into it, I want to make a statement. And let me begin by saying, I want to see a true revival in my generation I don't just want to hear of it in distant lands like China, South Korea, or South America. I want to see an authentic spiritual awakening here in America. Wherever and whenever I have the opportunity, I want to challenge and to be challenged to follow Jesus Christ more closely, to live the authentic Christian life. I want to exalt His name. I want to spread His fame. I want to see His manifest presence in the midst of His people. So that that this very year, I'm not waiting till next year for some keynote message, though that may happen. I don't believe in waiting and waiting and putting off a, a time to seek the Lord. I believe it is high time. I believe it is, as the scriptures declared it, it's high time, amen, to awake from our sleep and our slumber. It is time to seek the Lord until He come and rain righteousness on us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Break up your fallow ground, the Old Testament says, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon us. Therefore, the message today to that end, with that goal in mind, is Jesus our Adonai. Jesus, our Adonai. If you will turn with me to Acts 2 and verse 36, let's begin with this text on this subject today. It says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. I'm going to read that again. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When Peter stood and proclaimed this message on the day of Pentecost, he didn't have all the revelation of the new covenant that was to be revealed as time went on. He stood up with the knowledge and revelation that Jesus was Lord and Christ. 
he shook up Jerusalem with this message. And he was given a name to proclaim. And that is the mighty, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, who was both Lord and Christ. You see, Christ means Messiah. And they were looking for Messiah. He was declaring that their deliverer, their Messiah, had already come. Their Savior was here. But He was not just Savior. He was their Sovereign as well. I believe it's vital that we understand that Jesus, our Savior, is not only our Savior, He is our Lord and Savior. Not just our Christ or Messiah. He is both Lord and Christ. And really, you can't separate these two titles of Jesus. He is Lord and He is Christ simultaneously. You know, we sing it at Christmas, and this is supposed to be Christmas in July, but we live here in central Florida, and it certainly doesn't feel like Christmas with the heat and the humidity. But the, the, uh, to commercialize Christmas, they begin to, begin to get people thinking Christmas all the way into this month that we are in right now that is r- running out, and, and stores are running sales Christmas in July, but in, in light of this message, it brings forth the phrase of a Christmas song, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. How accurate that is theologically. How true that is spiritually. Jesus was born king. He didn't become king uh, somehow. He was born king King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Therefore, he can be nothing less than Lord. And Jesus, therefore, is our Adonai. He said it, didn't he? I and my Father are one. In the Old Testament, the word Adonai was used instead of God's holy name. Four letters, uh, we would stretch it out a little bit and call him Yahweh in the Old Testament. It is not a name in itself, Adonai, but a title given to the Holy One of Israel. Adonai simply means Lord in the Hebrew tongue. Jews were very careful about the name of God. I want you to know how deeply his name was revealed was revered as it was revealed to them. It was considered so sacred that it could not even be spoken and is not to this day. Wherever the name of God appeared in Scripture and someone was reading it aloud, they substituted the word, the title Adonai, which means Lord. And when the scribes copied the Scriptures and came to write the name of God, They had to stop and wash their clothes, take a bath, before they could come back to the desk and write God's name. If God's name appeared four times in a sentence, they had to do that four times. And they could be stoned to death for saying the name of God out loud because it was considered irreverent to just speak that name. It was so holy in their sight. 
And this sounds weird to us today in this particularly. And, and, and I'm not trying to put us back in that old covenant. I am saying that this casual, sometimes carnal attitude toward God's name and God's person and God's word the holy, the hallowed, is being uh, being undermined today. There's a casual approach to God. And I'm not talking about the clothes necessarily we wear to church. I'm talking about the attitude of our heart. You know, when the pattern prayer, Lord, teach us to pray, in that pattern prayer commonly called the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, when you pray, you begin your prayer like this. Our Father, there's the, there's the paternal relationship that we have. Hallowed be thy name. Praise God. Amen. I want to tell you how they, how they reacted to the name of God. Listen, when scribes wrote the scripture in the Old Covenant and came to God's name, he stopped. He would go and get a quill which had never had a drop of ink on it. Only then would he write God's name, and after he finished, he would discard that quill, and, would ne- and it would never be used again. And he would throw away those clothes which could never be worn again. This is how deeply the name of God was revered in the ancient Hebrew world. Now, the name of God today is used particularly by non-believers and those who don't know Christ and don't honor God at all. It is used in vain. It is used, the name Jesus Christ is used in vain. We have a stern and strong commandment, Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. And the world is impervious to that command because they have no reverence for God. Oh, friend, how the church needs this deep reverence. I'm not talking about this old covenant uh, situation because we have a new covenant relationship. I love what one person said about it, though. He may be your father, but he's not your old man. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This deep reverence is so important today. The word Adonai, uh, this, this acknowledging that not just that He is Lord, but He is our Lord. Amen. It is so vital to the spiritual awakening and the revival that we want to see occur in our country and in our generation Praise God, and in our personal life, hallelujah. The word Adonai, from which we get the the word Adon, which we get Adonai, which is the plural of Adon, is used over 300 times in the Old Testament. And it means master, lord, or owner. And is used of how slaves speak to their masters or how subjects speak to their king. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy 10 and verse 17 says, For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great God, the mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He is Lord of lords. He is God of gods. Hallelujah. Amen. 
when we say God is Adonai, we are stating that He is Lord of all and that He is supreme over all His subjects. You see, Deuteronomy 10.17 uses three names for God that captures His majestic supremacy, His lordship over all. Listen to it and let me put in those Hebrew names where you see the word Lord and God. It says, For the Lord, Yahweh, your God, Elohim, is God, Elohim, of God's Elohim, and Lord Adonai, of Lord's Adonai, the great God, Elohim, mighty and awesome. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus, when He returns... Because he is one with the Father, there is a name on his thigh. He comes on the white horse representing absolute victory. He's leading the armies of heaven. Hallelujah. And he's not coming back to fight with the devil or the Antichrist. He's coming back to rule and to reign forever. And the name on his thigh written is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. And because of that, he is, he is absolutely victorious over all, all of the, the forces of the enemy. Listen to Revelation 17 and verse 14. It says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. Hallelujah. Matthew Henry comments on that. And here's what he says. He says, here is a victory gained by the Lamb. The Lamb shall overcome them. Christ must reign until his enemies be put under his feet. He will be sure to meet with many enemies and must meet opposition, but he will also be sure to gain the victory. Here is the ground or, uh, or, the, or the absolute reason for our victory assigned, and this is taken from the character of the Lamb. He is King of Kings. <laughs> and Lord of Lords. He hath both by nature and by office supreme dominion and power over all things. All the powers of earth and hell are subject to His check and His control. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Jesus is our sovereign King. He is Lord of all. His victory assures us of our victory. We are with Him in all the victory of His blood and all the authority of His name. Praise God. Amen. Listen to Revelation 19.11-16. through 16. It says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written which no man knew but he himself. 
and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, clean and white. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. God hath made Jesus, you see, both Lord and Christ. You know, I'm concerned today as we continue this study about the way that this is presented. There is this idea today in many Christian circles that you receive Jesus like a free ticket to heaven. And you do not have to deal with the issue of whether or not he truly is going to be the Lord of your life. In Scripture, He is presented as Lord and Savior, not Savior and Lord. We don't receive Him as our Savior and then begin to consider whether or not or to what extent we will allow Him to have rule in our life. Friend of mine, when you receive Jesus as Savior, remember He's both Lord and Christ. He's both Lord and and Christ. You can't receive Him as your Savior while rejecting Him as your Lord or your Master. This is a misunderstanding, a terrible misappropriation of faith uh, and the way it is supposed to work according to the Word of God. Jesus said it clearly, you can't serve two masters. Amen? You cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other, or you will love one and hate the other. You have to decide. You have to determine. You have to change masters when you come to Christ. Amen. Until we come to Him, we're of our father the devil. He's our master. We are slaves to Satan and slaves to sin because we are slaves to self. But when we come to Christ as our Savior... We become the servants of Jesus Christ. We are not sinlessly perfect. There is a real battle that goes on between the flesh and the spirit. Amen. But that battle proves that Jesus is Lord of our life. Hallelujah. The fact that no battle goes on in many professing Christians between the flesh and spirit. The flesh rules and the flesh reigns and Satan therefore has the influence instead of Jesus in that life. Titus puts it this way in the book in the New Testament. The letter of Titus. It says in Titus 1 and verse 16, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being unto every good work abominable and reprobate. First John tested again and brings this scripture to light. 
it says, he that committeth sin. And that word committeth means to live habitually in sin. I want to balance this today. You know, the Bible said in the same book, if, if we say we have no sin, we're lying. We're not being truthful. We're not being honest and transparent and sincere. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from iniquity. Listen to me carefully today. The scripture is clear. He that committeth, that means to live in sin with no conviction, with no concern about it, not seeking to be delivered, not seeking to be set free, not seeking to overcome that habit or that 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 has us chained and holds us. Oh, friend of mine, oh, friend of mine today, what a terrible deception to be professing something that we do not truly possess. And it's all about whether Jesus is truly Lord. For no man can truly call Christ Lord except by the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures declare. If we haven't been spiritually regenerated, if there hasn't been a born-again experience, we can mouth those words, but that doesn't necessarily make it so. It's not what we say, it's what we do that declares who is the true Lord of our life. Many are going to stand before the Lord, and many will say unto Him on that day when the secrets of all men are revealed, and women, boys, and girls. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord. See, that's the issue. Adonai is the issue. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord. And hadn't Jesus already stated, Why callest thou me Lord? And do not what I say. It's just this irreverence. And this making the Bible and the Word of God irrelevant by saying, I, that's, that's, that's outdated, that's antiquated, that doesn't fit the culture in the postmodern world, honey. The Word of God and following Jesus is not meant to fit the culture. It's meant to stand in direct contrast to the culture. I've said it before, it's a simple little statement, but it's pregnant with truth and, and understanding of the kingdom. We are upstream Christians in a downstream world. We cannot, we must not go with the flow. We have to march to the beat of a different drummer. Our values cannot and must not match the values of this world. Marvel not if the world hate you, Jesus said it hated me. We're not here. We're not here to blend in. We're here to follow Jesus Christ and to let others see that the faith is not a man-made religion with no relevance this is the way of salvation. 
and we're walking on the king's highway. We're not on the broad way that leads to destruction. We're on the, the, the straight gate and the narrow way that leads to life eternal. And sometimes we may feel like we are the minority. Well, in fact, we are the minority. But that doesn't mean that, that, oh, friend, if the blind lead the blind, everyone ends up in the ditch. It's not where the crowd is headed. Amen. It said that this road, few there be that find it. Many are on the road to destruction. But there is a straight gate and a narrow way that leads to life, and few there be that find it. That means in relation statistically to those who are lost today and those who are saved today, we are in the minority. So if you're on the broad way, you're going with a crowd that is headed to destruction. But if you're on the narrow way and the straight gate, it leads to eternal life. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, it is so important to make sure you and I are on the King's Highway, and it all begins with the issue is who we are bowing to. Amen. Titus 1.16, they profess that they know God, but in works, you're not saved by works. I'm not saved by works, but works verify and validate that the change has come, and the works are not sinless perfection. No one can live perfectly. No one can do that. But we can be perfectly committed to His Lordship. I argue with my flesh. My flesh argues with me that law and my members fight all the time. But there is no argument in my spirit and no argument in my mind about Jesus being the Lord of my life. I bow to Him, and I bow to no other, and that includes my weak, sinful flesh. Amen. And it certainly involves the enemy of my soul, the devil. He's not my daddy anymore. I was of my father, the devil. He was my father because I bowed to him and I listened to him. But I don't listen to him anymore. And listen, this issue of lordship, it is the great issue that we have to answer as his children, for many will say to Christ, Lord, Lord, in that day, I've done mighty works in your name. And he will say unto them, this is what's so disquieting, disconcerting. This takes me back every time I minister it, every time I read it, every time I repeat it. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You see, iniquity is still within the spirit has never been reborn. The spirit of that man is still serving the devil while professing the lordship of Jesus Christ. And the scriptures clear in the new covenant, whoever you yield your members servant to obey, his servant you are, whom you obey, whether God unto righteousness or sin unto death. We don't want to wait until that day uh, to, to, to begin to understand where the Lordship of Christ, where that, that supreme issue uh, stands in our life. It, the question isn't, is He Lord? 
That is not the real question. Yes, he is Lord. That's easy to answer biblically and should be spiritually. Is he Lord of all, all creation? Yes. But is he your Lord? Is he my Lord? Amen. And that is the supreme question that we must answer. And we need to answer it right now. Not when we stand before him. But right here and right now. Friend of mine, I'm a Christian today. And that means Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. Both Lord and Christ. Both Lord and Savior. And I struggle with my flesh as I'm sure you do with yours. But I do not struggle with His Lordship. His Lordship is absolutely, that issue is settled in my heart and in my life. And I am seeking to follow Him and to obey Him because I revere Him as my Sovereign and my Savior, my King, and my Deliverer, my Adonai, and my Messiah, and my Savior. Today, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's time that you turn from Satan, who wants to rule you, Take your soul to hell. It's time you turned. For that's what repentance is. It's turning 180 degrees. You're facing one direction. You spin on your heels in the military. And you face the other way. A 180 degree turn. You turn from Satan to Christ. From sin and self unto righteousness from darkness to light and you run to Jesus and you bow before him and accept him as your Lord and your Savior and Satan has lost control (laughs) hallelujah he can't hold you in chains he can't keep you in prison for the Lord has set you free and saved your soul Come to Him today and come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.